maybe God's not asking you to go before the king and say, hey, we're going to prophesy a drought for three and a half years, but maybe he is asking you to speak up at the PTA, or maybe he is asking you to speak up in your group of friends. What are you doing? We want to be like Elijah. We want the effects, the Elijah effects, but do we want to be the person that Elijah was in order to get those effects? I believe God is looking for, as a matter of fact, his word says that. He looks down from heaven and looks to and fro. He looks to and fro across the earth to see whose hearts are holy is. Do you want the effects of Elijah's prayer without being the type of person that Elijah was? It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. How is everybody doing out there today? I hope you guys are so good, so wonderful. Spring is in the air in Dallas, and I, <laughs> I hope it is where you are. I love spring. I love the little buds on the trees. I love the little birdies singing. I ha- Apparently, I'm a bird lady because I have bird feeders all over our house, and I, I love the cardinals and the little just everything. I just love spring. So it's happening here. And if it's not happening where you are, it's coming, okay? It's coming. God is going to bring new life. I am so excited about what we're going to talk about after the break. We're going to talk about part three of our series on fire. We are going to talk about the accessible fire. How do you access the consuming fire? How do you do that? Like it's one thing to actually hear about it, but then how do you access it and put it in play and put it in practice in your own life? It is going to be a very practical message. I have said so many times this year, I want to tell you how from scripture, this is how you do that. So, so we can go back and actually listen to some of this stuff and put into practice what we hear about, what we get excited about. So that's after the break. It will be very practical. How do you access the consuming fire of God, okay, in your own life? A couple of things. The Autumn Mile Show is going on the road. We're going on the road. I actually still, I announced this last week, and I still haven't fully (laughs) talked to the team about it, but we did have a preliminary conversation, and all was well. If you are interested in hosting the Autumn Mile Show or you know, bringing our show in and doing something we could do. We're just really excited about this opportunity. If your church or your organization or something like that is interested in hosting us, email hello at autumnmiles.com and my girls will get back to you and we'll just chit chat about it and see if we can make something like that happen. It's so, so fun what we get to do. And I know there's a lot of you guys out there listening and we've heard a lot over the years. Are you guys coming to New York? Are you guys coming to California? Are you guys coming to Minnesota? And you know, all this stuff. So this is your opportunity to do that. And I love to meet people in person. I just love you. Okay. Secondly, keep those stories coming. I have an amazing story today at the end of the show of just a testimony. God is so amongst us, guys. He is working amongst us. If you have a testimony and you want to testify, 
spy about what God has done in your life, email hello at autumnmiles.com and we will see those and use those, you know, if you will let us use your stories because they're absolutely unbelievable. Third thing, and then I'm done with the announcements. We have some merch, some lion lamb merch. It's so cool. We have a Jersey. That's just like, it's it's just so absolutely incredible. It's got a giant lion on the front and it's a Jersey. So it's real cool that I want you guys to partake of. You can go to autumnmiles.com and look at the product. Okay. Announcements done over finished. I hate announcements, but they're important. What is happening in my life? My daughter is seven, right? Haven, my baby daughter is seven, almost eight, but she is seven. Okay. And she would be the more, (laughs) hmm, she's, she's much more introverted than my other three kids. She's She's a very internal processor. She's, you know, the whole like, like she's not trying to take a stage, right? Grace could be on a stage until the day that she dies and she would feel right at home and it would be fantastic. Haven's not like that. As a matter of fact, we went to one of Grace's plays earlier in the week this week. And I'm like, you want to do that one day? And she was like, no, (laughs) like why in the world would anyone want to do that? Which makes me love her even more because she is so strong. I am raising strong women over here. Women that speak what they think. And of course, love Jesus. But she's like, no, why would I ever want to do that? So over the years, you know, it's hard to know. She's so creative. This kid like can draw, she could draw a picture at three years old. That was better than I could do now at 42. <laughs> like she's, she's so artistic and she thinks about what she puts in her pictures and stuff like that. So we've always known that like art was, was a thing for her, but also she has been asking me to do gymnastics, you guys, gymnastics. Now, all my other kids are in stuff. Like all of them are in a lot, a lot of stuff. And Haven has always passed on all of it. Like I, I basically had to say, you have to be a cheerleader because it's cute. And at least, and at least decide if you hate it or not after you do it. And she, uh, you know, was a cheerleader because it was cute because she cheered for Moses on the football season and everything. But we've never quite found that thing that was hers. We've never found it. Okay. We've been looking for it. We've been asking her, you want to try this? You want to try that? We just want you to do something that you really feel like you are excited about doing, right? So anyway, we signed her up for gymnastics because she's asked me for a year to do it. So I signed her up the beginning of the year and she started doing gymnastics. And let me tell you, I'm so proud of her. Like she's the next Gabby Douglas. That's kind of what I'm thinking in my head. She got out there the very first time, did gymnastics. And when I tell you she was like a cut above, (laughs) I mean, I'm not just saying that because she's my kid. She got out there. The lady's like, do this. She would do it flawlessly, toes pointed, toes together, feet together, like the whole thing. And she's, her movements are just beautiful, like beautiful. Her coach, who is precious, by the way, these gals that teach little girls gymnastics, they got to have a lot of patience. God bless them. But she came up to me after her first class, guys, first class. And she said, 
she's not going to be here in here very long. She is so gifted. She is so talented. She's going to move up like, like really, really quick, maybe even next class. And I was like, really what? And she is speaking this while Haven can hear and Haven's little face and her eyes and everything are like perking up and listening. And she's coming alive as she's saying this. And sure enough, you guys, this week, she was bumped up to the next level of classes that they offer. And she got a medal for completing the last class. And I mean, we get in the car and Haven is like not really excited about anything except for candy. And um, we get in the car and I'm like, babe, look what you just accomplished. She's smiling ear to ear. She's giddy. She's laughing. She's wearing her medal like Gabby Douglas. And she's like saying, mom, did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see me? And I'm like, girl, I was like locked on what you were doing the whole time. But she even asked, hey, mom, can I wear my medal to school tomorrow? Which most of the time I'd be like, no, don't do that. But I'm like, yes, wear it because we found her thing. Maybe that story was boring to you, but <laughs> to me, finding what your kids are like vibing with and like loving is kind of a big deal. So I'm really proud of her. She can, you know, do twists and flips and stuff like that. Like nobody's business. The child is like, you know, made to do this. So anyway, stay tuned. If you, you know, think she should go to the Olympics, let me know because I think she should. And I think she'd be great at it. <laughs> Okay, part three of Fire coming at you right after the break. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the Word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Hey, hey, guys, we're back. I am about to feed you a practical Bible sandwich, okay? I have heard so many times over the years, how do I pray powerfully? How do I access the spirit of God? I've heard all of this stuff about what you've said, but how do I do that? How do I do that on him? Tell me legit. I mean, we did. How do I hear from God a couple of weeks ago? We had so many downloads on that show guys, because listen, 
people, they wonder, they wonder. And it's one thing to be really excited about God and to believe what his word says, but it is a total other thing whenever you take that, apply it to your life and actually walk it out. It is a totally uh, separate thing. And I wrote a book, Gangster Prayer. I'm, I'm not trying to plug my own book, but I think that I should. This is exactly what this book talks about, okay? Gangster Prayer is all about me getting completely so annoyed, guys. I was so annoyed that you know, I wasn't getting any results whatsoever for my prayer life. None. I had been a believer. I thought forever and God, I didn't, I couldn't hear God. I couldn't, God wasn't answering my prayers. I didn't know what was there something wrong with me. Is there something wrong with God? Am I doing something wrong? Like, what do I do? So I really got extremely serious about that and that everything's in the book. So if that's you, if you're like, I'm so sick of not knowing how to access the power of God and apply it in my life. That book is a great, great resource to do that. Go get it. You can get it anywhere books are sold or even on our website. However, that's not how I really wanted to start. When we talk about the all-consuming fire, the fire that utterly consumes everything and has the ability to consume everything, the fire that destroys very specifically, as I said in the first week, oppression and God's enemies, a fire that can go forth and destroy cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and destroy people groups and all this kind of stuff. We are legitimately dealing with a power that can only be defined as the supreme power, right? Last week, I talked about how the all-consuming fire, the consuming fire, contains himself. He could, but he doesn't. He has the ability to, but he doesn't. And I took you all the way down to Jesus in Gethsemane when he is looking at the, the people that come to take him away. And they have clubs and all this kind of stuff coming to like attack Jesus. And he says, don't you know, in a second, I can call down angels. I can uh, go ask my father to call down angels and y'all I'll be gone. <laughs> like he's, he is like so gangster about the fact that he has the ability, but he chooses to obey. He has the ability to destroy everyone but there is a greater good and a greater purpose in his life than just, you know, showing everyone his power. I want today us to talk about me and you, completely normal people. Like I'm as normal as normal as normal can be. I love my Diet Coke. I love my In-N-Out Burger. You know, I love a little R&B. I love a little rap. I don't, I like the clean kind. You know, I, I'm, I'm a normal person. I love to go out with, I love to have, actually, I love to have people at our house. You know, we love to eat cake. We're normal, normal people. We're all of us together in this conversation. I'm acting like you all know each other. We're all normal. Okay, so how do us normal people <laughs> access that consuming fire? And I want to take you to a guy who is like, he's a G guys. Like he is like ridiculously amazing in scripture. He's one of my favorites. I talk about him a lot, but I'm going to talk about this from a little bit different perspective today, because I'm going to share a story with you that you have never heard. 
I'm telling you right now, the first one will be familiar. The second one you'll never heard because it's not talked about. I actually don't think I've ever heard a message on this particular story in scripture about this guy. Okay. We're going to talk about Elijah. He was, this is all we know. Okay. We hear the great prophet Elijah. All right. We hear you know, my son's name is Jude Elijah Miles. I named my kids after who I liked in the Bible. <laughs> like Moses is Moses Ezekiel. Haven is Haven Esther. And Grace is Grace, because Grace, the grace of God, uh, Elizabeth. So he is one of the guys that I uh, identify with in the Bible. And it's because he was normal. He did he figured out, guys, how to access and utilize the all-consuming fire, but this dude was normal. He probably ate cake. He probably drank Diet Coke. He, you know, he probably did all the normal things that me and you did because we don't know anything about him. Let me read it. First Kings 17, 1 says this. Now, a lot, now this is the first time that we ever see him in the Bible. He is like incredible, but this is like the first time we are introduced to him right here. Now, Elijah, listen to what it says about him and his history. The Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the, you know, and I won't read the rest of the verse. This is all we know about him. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, we knew it when we know it was a Tishbite, who was from the settlers of Gilead. Why does this warm my heart so much? Why do I love this so much? He's a Tishbite who was of the settlers of Gilead. One of the greatest prophets of all time. It doesn't appear that he's from some long line of people that were so godly. He was a Tishbite. He was of the settlers of Gilead. That's all that the Bible starts off saying about him. Because sometimes where you're from, you're just as normal as normal can be. Listen, I'm a girl. I grew up in Indiana. I love Indiana. I love the cornfields. They're amazing. I'm just as normal as normal can be. You're just, we're just normal, absolutely normal people. A tish bite from the settlers of Gilead. But that's exactly who God chooses to access the consuming, his consuming fire. He didn't have to be whatever. He didn't have to be from a kingship. He didn't have to have a crazy heritage. He didn't have to have all those things. You know what he needed? He needed awareness that the consuming fire was accessible to him to do whatever it was that was right in front of him. I love that he was normal. And we're going to talk about another verse that calls him completely normal. That is the greatest, I think. That's why the Bible is so relatable, you guys. Because we look at someone like Elijah, who I'm about to tell you, you might know the story. I know if you listen to our show a lot, and I know a lot of you guys are, are faithful listeners, I've talked about this a lot. But it's those types of people that God has his eye on. Just a tish bite. From the settlers of Gilead, that's all we know. No, his father was not King David. 
His father was not Abraham. His father was, I don't know, a Tishbite from the settlers of Gilead. That's, that's the heritage that he came from. His heritage didn't matter. His opportunity up until that point didn't matter. It was what he did from that point forward that matters. A normal guy accessing the consuming fire of God, okay? And I'm going to tell you why God chose to reveal his and let him access his consuming fire. Let's read about it. So the prophet Elijah is talking to Ahab, the king of Israel said to Ahab, as the Lord God lives before whom I stand, there's going to be a three and a half year drought. Congratulations. You're evil. Your people are evil. Now, this is not in the Bible, but I'm just saying it. You have served other gods. You married Jezebel, you crazy person, ad-libbing here. You have served Baal, Ishira. You have served every other god but the one true god. Therefore, there ain't going to be no rain in this region for three and a half years. And you know what? God listened. He shut up heaven and there was no rain. Okay. So here we have in first Kings 18, the showdown, because Ahab is getting tired of it. The King of Israel is getting tired of there not being any rain. Cause you have no water. You die like dead as a doornail. Yeah. Gotta have water. Your body's got to have it. Okay. Ahab is getting very frustrated and he knows what Elijah had told him in the previous chapter. And all of a sudden here comes Elijah and he is walking towards him. 1 Kings 18, verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, the king, King Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? Now, this blows my mind. And I think this is one of the reasons why God chose Elijah. He told Ahab, there ain't gonna be no rain for three and a half years, cupcake. And then there wasn't, and he had the audacity <laughs> to then go pay him a visit, okay? Hey, it's Elijah, the guy who prophesied that there was going to be no rain. What's up? You want to go to Chick-fil-A and have, you know, a chicken sandwich. The boldness of this man, I believe, captured the heart of God. Because he wasn't bold in himself, he was bold in the awareness of the ability of God. One key factor in accessing the power of the consuming fire. He was bold. And guess what? It says, and when Ahab saw Elijah, who came to Ahab by himself, Ahab said to him, is this you trouble of Israel, troubler of Israel? He was bold. He was confident and he was willing to work if it was just him by himself on behalf of God. When you look and ask yourself this question for real, because I really do believe that this is one of the things that God is looking for. He's looking for bold people. Are you, do you, do you talk to your neighbor about Jesus? <laughs> That's not really even a bold move in your community. Do you, do you share about the Lord? Are you sharing with your children? Listen, 
This is, you know, what the Bible says about living. Are you bold for the Lord? I'm teaching my kids how to do that now. I'm teaching Moses. I'm teaching Haven. Eddie and I are, are doing it themselves. My kids are watching us do this, walking up to people and saying, you know, I believe God has got a word for you and I want to share. And then they're watching these people's responses and they're saying, wow. God actually is real. God actually is speaking to my dad. God actually is speaking to my mom. I mean, Eddie went into, I don't know where, I don't know where he was the other day, but he went in and a specific lady caught his attention, an older lady caught his attention and he went over and he spoke to her and he, he said, listen, I really feel like the Lord is telling me this about you. She broke down in tears and started crying. Are you bold for the Lord? You take risks for the Lord. Elijah in this point is risking his entire life for the Lord. And maybe God's not asking you to go before the King and say, Hey, we're going to prophesy a drought for three and a half years, but maybe he is asking you to speak up at the PTA, or maybe he is asking you to speak up in your group of friends. What are you doing? We want to be like Elijah. We want the effects, the Elijah effects, but do we want to be the person that Elijah was in order to get those effects? I believe God is looking for, as a matter of fact, his word says that he looks down from heaven and looks to and fro across the, he walks to and fro across the earth and looks to and fro across the earth to see whose hearts are holy is. Do you want the effects of Elijah's prayer without being the type of person that Elijah was? We know he's normal, just like us, but he had a boldness to stand before the king and say, here's the deal, dude. <laughs> no rain for three and a half years. And then he goes and he sees him again and he challenges the king. How could he do this? Because he was confident that God was going to come through. You know, there's a lot to be said about Elijah, his boldness and his, what is it called when people are just, they're, they're willing to do things alone. I know community groups are great. I love community. I've got a lot of friends. I love hanging out. I love the whole thing. I text a lot of people. I've got like whatever. And, and I'm sure you do too. But sometimes the strongest thing you can do is stand alone when no one would stand with you, but God. And that's exactly what he did. He goes to Ahab, verse 17, 1 Kings 18, 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you troubler of Israel? He said, I've not troubled Israel. <laughs> you have. Your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Baal. Now, then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now I am going to skip a lot of this because I've talked about it so much, but he's basically saying, gather all the prophets of Baal, gather all the prophets of Asherah, bring everybody together. He basically says, we're going to see who's God answers when we call out to him. Okay. I've read this before, but I want to, I'll pick it up in verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people after they were gathered, I alone and left a prophet of the Lord, which is not true because he was not the only prophet left. That's how he felt. Sometimes we feel all alone, but he actually wasn't the only prophet. And we know for a fact that Obadiah was, he was chilling with Obadiah not soon before. Okay. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 more. 
Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. So this is what they're doing. The Baal prophets are building an altar, cutting up an ox, and they're not putting any fire under it. And Elijah is doing the same thing. So there's two altars that both of them have prepared, okay? Verse uh, 24, then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. So that's exactly what they did, okay? Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose an ox, prepare it, put no fire under it. They did exactly that. They took the ox, prepared it, put no fire under it. And then they started calling out to Baal. Oh, Baal, from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. But listen, there was no voice. Verse 26, no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. I want to just make a point really, really quick. Now, we don't have Baal, okay? But we do ask things other than God to satisfy us. We do make our jobs an idol. We do make our children an idol. We make our husbands and wives idols. We ask for things other than God to satisfy, to do exactly what we need, to provide for us in ways that only God can. And I don't want to spend a long time on this. Maybe this can be a series all of itself. But I want to, when we do that, just like they were worshiping Baal and Asherah, when they actually needed that thing that they had worshiped for years and years to come through, when they were calling out, okay, Baal, come through, when you're asking something other than God to come through in your life, don't be shocked if it's anything other than God when it doesn't. But there was no voice, no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they had made that thing that you're worshiping before God. And, and, and you know, that's between you and God. I don't know the thing that you have an expectation that that thing is going to bring you peace or, or provision, or, you know, some of us jobs, we worship people in our jobs. We worship anything other than God. We demand things out of those worldly things that they are not created to provide for us. And then we're shocked when they let us down. Well, when you've worshiped something and we don't want to say this in the church, I know I'm a grace girl too. Okay. We don't want to say these hard things, but maybe you're putting too much pressure on that thing or that person, or you have too much expectation on that relationship or on your child or on your parents or on your, your job or on your education. And it's just not performing for you. Well, guess what? It was never made to be your source of provision ever. And then we get shocked 
and we get hurt. Oh, we're like shocked. Oh, my boss didn't come through because they weren't supposed to. God was, we get hurt. We get hurt when we shift our focus away from the source of everything to a demigod. We're shocked. My husband doesn't meet all of my emotional and mental needs 24 seven. Well, he's not God. He's, he's a person. <laughs> Parenting is hard. My kids are not obedient all the time and I'm exhausted and I thought that they were supposed to blah, 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 complete me. Well, they don't because they're not the consuming fire God. Moving on. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them. Call with a loud voice for he's God. Either he's occupied or gone aside. Now, now you know, he's got a little bit of an attitude, Elijah, which I happen to love. <laughs> He's a little bit, you know, he's a little gangster up in here. Or maybe he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Like Elijah knows he is so playing with him, them the whole entire time. Because Elijah knows something that they don't. He has seen somewhere in that normal past God come through. He's some, seen somewhere, somehow, that God is who he says he is. He might just be a tish bite, but he's not stupid, okay? He knows that Baal is just a hunk of metal and it ain't ever going to provide for him the way that the consuming fire will. So he mocks him. Could you imagine? Think of the guts of this guy. He's alone. He's completely alone. He's bold, but God's watching him because he's so bold that God wants to honor his faith, bold faith. When midday passed, guess what? Baal not doing nothing. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came. He repaired the altar, which the crazy people had torn down. He took 12 stones according to the number of the 12 tribes of Jacob to whom the Lord had come. So the stones he built in the altar in the name of the Lord. And then he made a trench, which this is also really kind of in your face. Mommy, your guy didn't even answer you. Well, guess what? I'm going to wet my altar. <laughs> So it's going to be sopping wet. <laughs> Your God didn't even answer when it was dry. He arranged the wood, verse 33, and cut the ox and pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. Let's see how this goes. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar, sopping wet. At the time of offering, verse 36 of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you're God in Israel and that I'm your servant and I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed. Hmm, interesting, consuming fire. The burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire fell from the Lord and it consumed everything. 
everything. Now, that would be an amazing story, and I would be like, wow, that's awesome. But guess what? That was not the only time, and this is what you guys don't probably don't know. If you've ever heard the story, I, I, like, that's amazing, but you probably haven't. It's very obscure. That was the first time he called down fire from heaven. This Tishbite, Elijah, is so bold in what he does that he actually calls down fire from heaven two additional times after that. But we, Mount Carmel is so special that most pastors focus on that. Whatever happened to him that day, when he was so bold before the Lord, he was so powerful before the Lord, and the Lord answered him, gave him the security in the consuming fire to ask for the Lord to do it again multiple times. I want to read this to you. Second Kings 1, 1. Okay. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Ahab was killed. That's an incredible story, by the way. Go read about that. It really rocked me. I read it not long ago, and it was like, I don't know, it just, I had read it before, but I read it very differently a couple months ago. The death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber, the king, king in Ahab's place, okay? which was in Samaria and became ill. So he sent messengers and said to them, go inquire of Baal-zebub. Did they not learn in the past? Like, come on, people. The God of Ekron, whether I will recover from the sickness. They're asking from something that's never going to give them an answer. Okay, listen. But the angel of the Lord said to who? Elijah, the Tishbite, <laughs> he's just a normal dude, <laughs> arise and go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going to inquire of Baalzebub, the God of Ekron? Like legit? Are you guys trying to do this again? Like for real, for real? You guys are actually going to go ask Baalzebub if he's going to heal Ahaziah of his sickness rather than asking God. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, verse four, you shall not come down from the bed where you've gone up, but you shall surely die. <laughs> then Elijah departed. Bye-bye, Elijah. When the messengers returned to him, so Elijah met the messengers halfway. When the messengers returned to him, the king, he said to them, why have you returned? And they said, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from your bed where you have gone up and you shall surely die. And this is what the king said to him. What kind of a man was he who came up to meet you and spoke? And this was their answer. <laughs> He was hairy. He was hairy. Verse eight. He was hairy. And he wore a girdle, a leather girdle. <laughs> Why is this so funny? He was hairy with a leather girdle bound about his loins. And the king said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Oh no. <laughs> because guess what the king knew? Instantly. 
he knew, because I'm sure it was legendary, that Elijah the Tishbite had conquered all the prophets of Baal during Ahab's reign. And he, he had the power of the consuming fire with him. The king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. So he's a captain of 50 men and he sent him with the 50 men. And he went up to him and behold, he was sitting on top of the hill. And he said to him, the captain said to Elijah, oh man of God, the king says, come down. And Elijah does this. He is so crazy. He replied to the captain of the 50, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. <laughs> He's such a boss. 11. So again, he sent, the king sent, him another captain of 50 with his 50 another captain with 50 men and said to him oh man of god thus says the king come down quickly <laughs> elijah said if i'm a man of god let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. then the fire of god came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. that is three times total that elijah called down fire from heaven and it consumed everything that was a traitor of the most high God. He accessed it. He knew exactly where to go to get it. He knew how to, to do it. And he actually executed exactly precisely what we're talking about today. 13. So again, the king sent the captain of a third 50 with his 50. Now this captain was no dummy. When the third captain of the 50 went up, he bowed down on his knees before Elijah, the hairy guy who wore a girdle, which is nice to know, and begged him and said to him, oh man of God, please let my life and the lives of the 50 servants be precious in your sight. Behold, we know, homie, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains in their 50s. But let my life be precious in your sight. The angel of the Lord then spoke to Elijah. This is awesome. Go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him. And then he said to him, thus says the Lord, because you've sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, is it because there's no God in Israel? Therefore, you shall not come down from his bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And verse 17, and Ahaziah died. Listen, this is what I'm talking about. In the last few minutes, it's to me, like, I wish more people would, would talk about this story right here because it's just fascinating. Um, he didn't call down a fire from heaven once. He did it three times. And seemingly, he was just as normal as, as a girl from Indiana and you from wherever you're from. Normal people, just like me and you. How is this possible? James 5 makes a statement about Elijah that blows my mind. Let me read it to you. And I've, I've read it in the past, but I want to read it to you. And then we're going to talk the rest, for the rest of the time all about practical ways to do exactly what Elijah did. James 5, 13, is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? He must sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer offered 
in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer or fervent, constant prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Verse 17 blows my mind. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's a Tishbite. He's got a nature like ours. He's normal, just like me. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly, fervently, that it would not rain and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah, because of his prayer life, his prayer life, do you understand this? His prayer life made him famous. His, his relationship with God and his prayer life made him a legend. His prayer life made him, James hundreds of years later recognize this dude didn't play. He could shut up heaven. He could make a fire come down from heaven. And he could also pray and ask God to rain on the land that he had literally prayed that it would stop raining three and a half years earlier. He was legendary, not because of where he was from. Solomon was legendary because of who he came from. He came from David, Isaac, Jacob. They were legendary because of Abraham. The covenant was with Abraham. Elijah was just a normal person. And he was able to do this in his prayer life and his boldness and his faith and his confidence in God is what made him legendary. And I would say, arguably, aside from Isaiah, he probably was the most powerful prophet that the Lord put on the planet. How did he do this? I wrote that book, Gangster Prayer, because I was just so tired of not getting results. There's a few things that I just want to share with you just straight out of Elijah's life. Fervent, number one, fervent. Have you actually been fervent? Are you serious about that prayer that you're asking for? Are you consistent? Have you built in your life, in your prayer life, rather than, this is one of the reasons why I uh, wrote the book and there's an entire chapter on this. The problem with most people's prayer life is that they have a foundation of doubt. I doubt God will rather than a foundation of faith. When you go before the Lord, the reason that Elijah could mock the prophets of Baal is because he had a foundation of faith in his prayer life. He knew that God was going to come through because he knew that God had already answered the prayer of stopping the rain for three and a half years. Have you resolved in your head that God actually wants to and will intersect in your life and engage in your life in a way that will accomplish amazing things? Have you settled that? Do you doubt? God will rather than believe that he will. If you have not settled that, you've got to start there. Peel that prayer life all the way back to the nubs and start building a foundation of faith. You are building on top of something that has a bad uh, foundation. And once you have that foundation there, be fervent. 
I know you can. I see what you did with Elijah. God, I need this in my life. I need financial provision. Come through, Lord. Come through, come through, come through. Every day, every day, every time I come. Pray, pray like your life depends on it because the power of God is literally, I believe, waiting to engage with people that are fervent. Why? Not because I say it, because James 5 says it. Foundation of faith. Be honest with yourself. What's there? If it's doubt, no problem. Confess it, say, Lord, and build a foundation of faith. Then be fervent like it. everything depends on it. I'm telling you what, I am still praying things that I prayed 20 years ago. You know what? Because I am going to be fervent. I want God to come through. I want him to answer exactly what he said. I want to see his glory, this side of heaven. I've got to. I want to. I must. James 5 says, be fervent. That's exactly what I'm, what your girl is going to do, okay? Foundation of faith, be fervent. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask God to encourage you. Sometimes when I feel like my faith is slipping, I'll be like, God, I need a word of encouragement. Encourage me. And he is so faithful. God, I've been praying this prayer for 10 years. Dude, are we still good? I need encouragement. And then the Lord always comes through uh, to encourage me. Interact with God. Ask him to interact with your tangible life. Lord, do something today. Do something this week that's going to blow me away, that's going to encourage me to stay on this track. Lord, I built a foundation of faith. I've been fervent like like I know how to do. Now I need you to encourage me whenever the wait is long, okay? Another thing, release the when. God has no desire to operate in your timetable ever, 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 ever. I wanted to adopt 18 years before I did. Does it matter if it's long, if it happens? Does it actually matter how long it takes? I know, I know you're saying in your head right now, yes, actually it does. I want to see it done tomorrow. But, but if it, if God actually does come through, Does it matter when, if your child accepts Christ and he accepts Christ and you've been paying fervently, does it matter if it's today or next week? If it happens next week, if it happens next year, won't you just be happy that God answered your prayer? I'm serious. We put constraints on God and God will not be constrained. He he is so not us. He only constrains himself if he wants to. Release the win. Release the win. Pray something like this. God, this is what I am asking you for when you want to do it. I was doing a thing yesterday and was just reminded. I actually had a prayer answered very recently. And I, when, I, when God answered this prayer, I realized that God had been answering this prayer for years previous. I just found out about it recently, but he had been working on it for years and then it happened. I've been praying for years and then it happened. What happens is we put a time stamp on God. I need this to happen in two weeks and then it doesn't happen in two weeks. And then we get upset, throw our hands up and leave the faith because God failed you. Well, you know what? If you just would have waited a little longer, God might've come through. Release the win. Foundation of faith, fervent release the when, release the how. I want a husband. 
from my church. <laughs> okay, he might answer that. But what if God has a husband that's about 50 times better than anyone that you're in contact with right now and he lives in, you know, I don't know, Georgia. And he has got a plan put together to have you meet this person, maybe through college, maybe through a job, maybe through a trip, maybe through a vacay, you never, never know that he wants to bring you in contact with that man that is going to be directly in his plan. Doesn't matter if it's from your church, if he's got something better and he's got a way to do it. No, it does not. Release the when, release the how. Agree with God in this aspect. Agree with him. Those are some very practical tips, and there are not many because I didn't want to overwhelm you. Get the book, Gangster Prayer, if you want to um, go a little bit deeper. Foundation of Faith, pray fervently, release the how, release the when, and see what God does. Something practically that I did this year was, and that's, and, and just to conclude that whole thought, that is how I believe you can see that consuming fire in your life. That's how we saw a miracle with our babies. That's how this ministry was built. This ministry was built with a foundation of prayer for 10 years. That's why I think it's still around after all these years. We've changed a lot. We've ebbed and flowed. We've done the thing. We've stayed with it. But listen, if we made it through 2020, we're here. You know, that's how we can take that fire and watch it in our own life. Those are just a few tips. Also something very practical when you talk about praying consistently, there's so many things I could pray about on a daily basis, but this year specifically in my little journal that I, that I keep around with me, I wrote five things. What are the five most important things, the five things that I want to see God do this year? Five. There's five of them. There's not 40, although there could be 40. I chose priorities and said, I want to watch the process and I can watch five things. I want to watch the process of me beginning to pray for this thing. And then I want to watch the journey and the transformation of the little moves that God makes until he answers this thing. I want to watch the journey. I've been really interested in that whole aspect of the prayer life. It's one thing to pray and get an answer, but watch the journey. Watch the journey. If you're praying for a loved one to get saved, there's a journey to that. Oh, my cousin who I'm praying for to get saved called me and said, you know, I mentioned the name of God. That's part of the, the journey, the answered prayer journey. My, my cousin actually went to church on Christmas. We, we sang whatever, they're atheists, but we sang whatever, a Christmas carol that talks about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? There is an entire journey between you asking God for something and see it come to fruition. And that's what I'm interested in this year. I want to watch the journey. So I have five things that I've been praying for. A couple of them have already been answered, which is amazing. But the journey was real short on those, which is awesome. But a couple of them haven't been answered yet. I'm watching the journey of that. Those are things that you can do, guys practically in order to do what Elijah does is just a tish bite, just like me and you and call down that fire from heaven and use it and watch God intersect with your life and bless it. I hope that helps you. Lord, we love you today. We love that you make yourself accessible to us. You are so awesome. You are to be praised. Thank you, Lord, that we can even interact with you 
through prayer, that we can even ask for things through prayer. Move, Lord, in these precious people's lives. Move. Consuming fire, we ask you to intersect and interact with all of us. And we will give you the praise and the glory when you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming back after the break, it'll be real, real short. Got a question and a story from one of you. God bless y'all. See you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve? rather than Esther or Mary. To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse, and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Okie dokie, guys. We're back. This is a great question that we got. It was actually focused directly to me, which I thought, okay, bring it. Since becoming a Christian, what has been your greatest struggle with God? Oh. I have to think about this because listen, I'm just like Elijah. I'm a tish bite over here. <laughs> I constantly struggle and I constantly wrestle it out. I would say a couple things definitely aren't knowing that he's, he's for me, knowing that he will interact with my life. That's definitely not a struggle for me. It used to be not anymore. I think the thing I struggle with most is I actually have two things. Can I tell you two things? Number one would be rest. Your girl ain't good at it. Okay. I don't like to rest. I don't, I, and God really, he really, really, really has worked on me in the last few years about rest. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. And I, I know I need it in order to persevere, but I would say that's a big thing that I struggle with, especially with God. I'll be like, God, I just want to rest. And he's like, well then do it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. And the other thing I would say, waiting. I think waiting, I'm such a product, I like goals. I'm very goal oriented. And so when I have to wait for something to come through, it really, it bothers me. I kind of feel like when I have to wait for something and I'm praying and I know that I'm like doing the thing and I'm faithful and I'm in the fervent, just like I talked about with you guys, I kind of feel like time is being lost. Like, God, don't you see all this time that, that this <laughs> prayer could be answered? And the Lord told me so years ago, the Lord told me years ago, I don't work on human timetables. And when he said that to me, he also added in there, um, we're on my clock. 
and not yours. And he revealed to me how much needed to happen before a couple of my prayers were answered. So rest is a big thing that I wrestle with God about. And also waiting. I would say those are two big things. Thanks for that personal question. I love to be humanized. <laughs> and you know, guys, those are two. I'm a human. There's lots of them. Okay. Testimony. Now, Amanda put this awesome testimony here in my thing, but I'm going to read you one that came in this weekend. We had we have prayed for this woman, but let me, it's real fresh. It's not like in an outline form, so I don't want to use any names, but apparently we prayed for this woman and for her husband to adopt her daughter. And God made her a promise three years ago that she will be adopted. And we got an email over the weekend saying that adoption is possible and they have court. And I believe the court, you guys, is today. And so we need to pray for that. But God made her a promise three years ago that she will be adopted. Apparently, it's been a challenge for her to be adopted by her husband. But whatever happened this past weekend made it possible. So let me tell you something. That's three years. She prayed for three years for three years that her child would be adopted. And let me tell you her new husband to adopt this child from a previous relationship. And God is doing that. And I just want to say, for those of you that are laboring long in prayer, I feel you, I get you. But listen, just like this woman who prayed for three years and stood on the promise of God, you do the same thing. You pray fervently, you pray it out, you pray fervently, until you see God answer. That was such a cool testimony that came in this week. I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed this message on fire. We're going to get to Easter very, very soon. So you don't want to miss the ones that are coming up because I think I'm going to talk about Judas this Easter. Doesn't that sound cool? Yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with making some very practical points from that relationship with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Anyways, you're not going to want to miss Easter. Love y'all. Have an awesome week. I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to AutumnMiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show.